Sorting through the many perspectives takes work. The seemingly never-ending opinions can get noisy. But what if we choose to change our vantage point? Think bigger. Dig deeper. Change the dialogue. Discovering the truth above it all. It's time to elevate the conversation. When I was younger, I was the kind of kid who was always doing risky things, right? At least they were risky according to my mom. So I don't know if they were actually risky or not. But I love to do these things, especially if I was told not to do the risky thing. And I'm almost embarrassed to tell this story, but I can trust you all with it, right? Yeah. No? Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna tell it anyways. We'll see how this goes. But it happened, keep in mind, the summer before my third grade year. So I was little, right? As little, and I loved climbing trees, which is fine, usually, right? I mean, even today, if there's a tree that I can climb, I'm gonna climb it, right? Who wouldn't? Yeah, but unfortunately for me, my mom had told me not to climb the tree in our backyard while I was wearing flip-flops, and I was nine. So, I, because I was told not to, and I was nine years old, you know your girl climbed the tree in flip-flops. What happened? You may have guessed, but I fell. And this is the most embarrassing part. Not only did I fall, but I fell off the lowest branch, which to nine-year-old me came up to the top of my head. And so it was not that far of a fall. It's awkward. Even today, I'm still like, how did I fall off of a branch this tall? But you know, flip-flops don't have a lot of grippage. And my mom came running out of the house as soon as she heard the thud. And she was in typical mom fashion, like, oh my God, are you okay? Are you okay? And I was trying to play it off, right? Because I had just gotten hurt doing the exact thing that my mom told me not to do. So I, you know, brushed the dirt off and said, I'm fine, I'm fine. Clearly I wasn't fine because later that day I got a cast and even later had to have surgery to set my bone in the proper place because it wasn't straight. My bone had healed crooked and I can imagine what that must have looked like of me just wiping myself off and my arm kind of angled it away it's not supposed to be and the swelling starting to take place and I'm just like, I'm fine, mom, I'm fine. No, you're, you're overreacting, it's okay. I felt embarrassed and guilty. I was in the greatest pain of my young life because I had never broken a bone before and all I could say was I'm fine. I think that says a lot about how I deal with pain even as an adult, if I'm being honest. And there are all kinds of ways we try to deal with or cope with different kinds of painful situations. There's so many tough things that you have to deal with when you get to high school. I wasn't there that long ago, and I remember it being rough. And I can't even imagine now what it's like for you guys. But even if you manage to go through high school without a problem, and you're one of the lucky ones that makes it scot-free through all of high school, Unfortunately, by the time you get to adulthood, you're going to have some hardships. 
It's unfortunately a part of life. But today, we're talking about a specific type of pain, loss. We're going to talk about what happens when you lose something or someone that you love. Some of you may have experienced this already. And maybe for some of you, it's something you'll experience one day. But when we experience loss, it's natural for us to experience grief. What is grief? Well, it's a deep sadness that comes with the loss of something or someone you care about. Is there a slide for that? Thank you. So we all deal with these emotions differently. Some of us get them out crying, talking about them, or we have some other external process that we go through. Some of us keep them in. We say we're fine, even if that's not really how we feel on the inside. Maybe put on a fake smile or go through your day as if nothing different is happening. Either way, I think there's this inevitable question that comes up no matter how you process your pain. And the question is, where is God? I want to point out that grief can be experienced in many different ways. You can grieve the death of a loved one, and I think that's the one that we're most familiar with. But you can also grieve health changes, like a health that's declining or a major diagnosis. You can grieve a relationship ending. You can grieve the life changes in your life, like divorced parents or a giant move. You can even grieve old hurts that you might have forgotten about. I know for me, personally, I grieved the life change that followed my parents' divorce entirely differently, and if I'm being honest, probably more intensely than either of my grandparents' deaths. And I miss them, and I love them, but the life change that happened after my parents' divorce had me questioning where God was in all of it, and it had me questioning where God was good if this could happen. That's the type of mourning and loss that we're talking about. And I want to see what scripture says about God when it comes to our grief, where he is in all of it. We can learn a lot about God from Jesus, since Jesus was God, and Jesus' personal life is available for us to read in the New Testament. The first four books of the New Testament specifically they contain the example, life, and teachings of Jesus, and they were written by people close to him, their firsthand accounts or their interviews with eyewitnesses. One of Jesus' closest friend was this guy named John, and you may have heard of him, not that John though. This John wrote the book of John, and you might know him, but did you know John was probably your age when he started following Jesus? That's crazy. He was a teenager, just like you. And there's this one significant event that John remembered and recorded that I want to look at. It's in the book of John, and it begins like this, John 11, verses 1 through 3. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Notice how Mary says 
the one you love. This was something that someone that Jesus cared about very deeply. Things weren't looking good. In fact, things were actually pretty bad, okay? And Jesus wasn't in town. That's why they had to send him this letter. But he didn't immediately go to Bethany. He left a little bit later, and we can pick up the story in verse 17 through 20, where on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Do you know what happens to a dead body after four days? It's really gross and <laughs> not gonna go into all the details, but this man was decomposing, okay? And Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. Many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. So Jesus was late. He missed the opportunity to say goodbye to Lazarus. And the miracle worker himself didn't get there in time to heal his sickness. Now he was gone. And Martha was upset about this and she wasn't quiet about it either. She spoke up in verse 21. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. She confronted him with a question many of us have found ourselves asking. Jesus, where were you? Martha wanted to know why did it take him so long? She was probably thinking, I thought that you loved him. I thought this was the one you loved. So how could you let this happen? Sometimes when we're coping with loss, we tend to cover it up and pretend that everything's okay. And I mentioned earlier that this is something that I struggle with as an adult. This is how I tend to process my pain is just pretending that everything is fine, right? But that's not what Martha does here. She just rips off the Band-Aid, lays all of her emotions and grievances and concerns out for Jesus to see, and she's hurting. She's not trying to hide it. Is that even allowed to speak to Jesus that way? Wouldn't he lecture her or maybe tell her that she needed to stay strong or tell her at the very least, why are you worried? Just trust in God but not even close. If we continue this story, verses 33 through 36, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Shortest verse in the Bible. And the Jews said, see how he loved him. It's important to notice Jesus's response here. He entered into those emotions with them. There wasn't this expectation of trusting in God or believing that the end result would be okay one day. Whenever we experience grief, we can remember that Jesus is with us in our grief. We see he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled and this was someone that he loved and he grieved right alongside with them. He's been there. He's felt what that loss and pain feels like. Whatever loss you're going through, I can promise you that Jesus is right there and he's feeling it with you. This is why I can also tell you, God didn't cause this to happen. 
But God also isn't telling you to just trust that everything will work out and be okay. He's not expecting you to just have this blind faith that it's gonna be okay in the end, but he's actually with you in that darkness, in that sadness and anger. He's weeping with you, walking through it with you. The story of Lazarus ends in a way that we all want stories of loss to end. Lazarus's family eventually got to witness a miracle and they got to see Jesus bring Lazarus to life. But I want to clarify that Jesus didn't swoop in to save the day. He didn't show up and say, get out of the way, open the tomb, I'm gonna heal him, stop crying. He sat with them and felt and grieved with them. And this lines up with what we can read in the Old Testament, where Isaiah 46, 45 says, even to your old age and gray hairs, I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I have made you and I will carry you. I will sustain you and I will rescue you. With whom will you compare me or count me equal? God promises to sustain us which means that he'll help you carry that grief that you're holding. This means that he'll sustain you when you don't make the team and you're grieving the loss of this future that you thought you would have. He'll rescue you when one of your parents gets remarried and the adjustment feels difficult, or maybe you lose the attention of that parent that you used to have. This means that he'll carry you when that friend moves away and you don't know how you're going to cope without that friend right there in your life. He's not going to leave you alone in that dark place. He isn't. Even as you grow older and you graduate high school and you create a life of your own, maybe eventually get married and have kids, or you start a career or whatever the future looks like for you, God's still going to be with you there through anything that happens. He loves you so much. And when you hurt, he's there hurting with you. When you grieve, he's grieving with you. And as I was reading the story of Lazarus, I had this thought that even Lazarus eventually would die again one day, right? His resurrection, it wasn't permanent. And I wonder if the grief of his loved ones was any different after knowing that Jesus was with them in it, after having that physical experience of sitting with Jesus in their grief the first time around. They knew they weren't alone. And this topic is heavy. And this is a safe place to process whatever you're going through. But God can handle the anger. He can handle the questions that you have when you're upset or frustrated. You don't have to understand everything or be at peace with the situation to bring it to him. But I also want you to have tools to deal with this pain. These aren't really things for you to do. They're more just important things that I want you to keep in mind. First, accept that loss is going to happen. We talked last week about how there's a time for everything, right? There's a time to be born and a time to die. Life is constantly being created and ending. Things you love, they will come and they will go. And your life might drastically change at any moment. In fact, Jesus told his disciples in John 16, in this world, you will have trouble. John read it earlier. If we equate this trouble or pain to God not being good, 
then that's a dangerous place to be because then God will never be good in our eyes because pain and suffering is going to happen. That's a part of life and it's not caused by God and it doesn't make him any less good. But the verse doesn't stop there that we read earlier. Jesus continues to say, but take heart. I have overcome the world. This means that God is bigger than the bad things that happen to us. This doesn't make the bad things unimportant, but it gives us hope. Maybe God can actually grow your faith when the hard times hit. Because I personally probably wouldn't be here talking to you guys about grief right now if I hadn't gone through my parents' divorce and been forced to think about these questions of where is God and how is he still good? It was rough, don't get me wrong, but my faith also grew through it and yours can too. And that's the second thing. Acknowledge that we might experience God's goodness in a different way when we experience loss. When we go through loss, God feels with us and he carries our grief. And this allows us to experience God in a deeper way. It's just like when you have a best friend who's been with you in the darkest times. Of course, you appreciate them when things are good, right? When things are going well, when you have fun, when you can laugh together. But whenever those dark times hit, and that friend is there to sit with you in it, you have a whole new deep relationship with them than you ever would have had if things were happy all the time. And that's actually another thing, is loss allows us to draw closer to the people that God put in our lives. Maybe that friend sitting with you while you were in your pain, that friend that God put there, maybe he put in your life specifically and just so you could feel that his love through that person. Maybe that's the reason that you became friends in the first place is because God wanted to provide you with this source of comfort when the grief did come. Matthew 5, 4 says, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted because when we mourn, God will comfort, but he will also provide comfort for us. He will put people in our lives that will go through it with us. I want you to think about the friends that you have. Maybe they've been with you through the dark times or you know that they will be there for you through the dark times. Maybe God put them there specifically so you could have that friendship and have those people in your life when things go wrong. And maybe if you have a friend experiencing loss or grief right now, you have the opportunity to be that friend that God put in their life. And you have the opportunity to bless them and to comfort them. This is how in the big ways and in the smallest, simplest ways and everything in between, we can trust that Jesus is with us in our grief. Thank you for listening to this special episode from the Riverbend Youth Podcast. To learn about our mission, gatherings, and more, please follow us on Instagram at rbyouth or check out our website at riverbend.com students. If you found this conversation helpful, please subscribe, rate us, and consider sharing our channel with a friend. Available anywhere you get podcasts.